0: ladies, so glad to be with you guys tonight. I just want to give a welcome also to those who may be joining us um, online. We're glad that you're with us tonight. Um, We've got a couple of announcements to go over together, so I'll share those before we dive right in. Um, Offering, every week we take an offering. We say this every week, but I'll say it again. The offering is really to help women's Bible study. So it helps support the beautiful um, study guides that we have, um, childcare, tech support. And please feel no obligation to give, but if you want to give, if you wanna help support women's Bible study, please do. Please do, it's a blessing for us. Um, I want to give an announcement about our prayer groups. Um, I don't know if many of you know, but women's ministry specifically has prayer groups that's designated for women specifically to pray with other women. And there's probably about seven or eight groups on our website that cover anything from hurting mom groups to just praying for our country and everything else that's going on in the world. So if you're interested, you wanna join a group or be a part of, uh, or get prayer or be a part of a group, please check it out on our website um, for more information. Who's ready for Christmas? (laughs) well it's coming ready or not <laughs> um and it's time for our pj drive yay um this is one of the things that I, I love that we do every year um we collect new pajamas for families um experiencing homelessness at union rescue mission hope gardens Angeles house and this year we're adding Door of Hope Los Robles House in Pasadena, um, because we've recently been doing some partnering with them. So the website is going to launch. It's going to launch on our website this Thursday. You'll be able to go on the website. Please go to the website, because we have specific sizes to make sure that everyone who wants pajamas gets pajamas. So we love all donations, but we want to make sure that those that we specifically need for the sizes we've been given are taken care of first. So put it on your calendar, put a reminder on your phone. Thursday, you can go designate um, which which pajamas you'd like to give. And at our Christmas women's gathering, that's where we'll collect all the pajamas. So check that out. If you have any questions, you'll be able to see that more information on the website or you can always contact us in the office, but we're really excited about that. Um, I wanted to also mention next Tuesday night is Halloween, so I know no one in here is trick-or-treating, right? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Well, maybe, Um, but I wanted to let you know we will be here. Bible study will happen next Tuesday, and our very own beloved Kathy Christopher will be sharing the word with us next week, so if you're able, please make sure you come back then. Well... Well, I wanna get started um, with tonight's teaching. We're gonna be, we're in the book, the chapters seven, eight in the book of Esther tonight. And before we get started, I want to share a little story with you guys. A young woman brings home her fiance to meet her parents. After dinner, her mother tells her father, "Um, go find out a little more about this young man. So the husband, the father, invites the young man into the family room for a chat, and he asks him, so what are your plans? Uh, The young man says, I'm a Bible scholar. A Bible scholar, hmm, the father says, that's admirable. But what will you do to provide a nice house for my daughter to live in as she's become accustomed? I will study, the young man said. I will study and God will provide. How about buying her a beautiful engagement ring, such as she deserves, the father says. I will concentrate on my studies. God will provide for us. And children, asked the father, how will you support children? Don't worry, sir. God will provide, said the fiance. The conversation proceeds like this back and forth. The father is questioning him, and the young idealist um, insists that God will provide. Later that evening, the mother asks, honey, how did it go? What What did you learn from the young man? And the father answers, the bad news is he has no job and he has no plans. But the good news is, he thinks I'm God. (laughs) So that's a cute little story, right? Um, So my question to you tonight is who is your provider? Who do you trust to provide for you? One of God's names is Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh means the God that provides. This is the name that Abraham used when he was tested um, with uh, sacrificing his only son, Isaac. And he was tested that God would provide a sacrifice to spare Abraham's son. And God sent a ram. And God sent his son, Jesus, as a willing sacrifice to spare us. So today, let's look at three ways we will see God provide for Esther and his people. But before we start, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to be together, to be in one another's company, but mostly in the company of you. Thank you for speaking to our hearts as the word is spoken forth tonight i pray that your word would not return void but it will prosper in the place of where you send it lord i thank you father god that you will use my mouth um, that i would be an instrument for what you want spoken tonight father that we would not lean onto our own understanding but we will hear the word that you have for our hearts tonight We will not listen for others, we'll listen for ourselves. Would you make your word alive and real to us? Would you have your way in this place? We surrender and yield to you. In Jesus' holy name, amen. So um, today, as we're going to look through, reading through chapter 7 and 8 of Esther, I couldn't help but just be struck with how many ways God was providing for his people. So let's start reading, um, in chapter seven, starting with verse one. So the king and Haman went to queen Esther's banquet on the second occasion, on this second occasion, while they were drinking wine, the king again said to Esther, tell me what you want. Queen Esther, what is your request? I will give it a, I will give it to you up to half the kingdom. Queen Esther replied, if I have found favor with the king and if it pleases the king to grant my request, I ask that my life and the lives of my people will be spared for my people and I have been sold to those who would kill, slaughter and annihilate us. If we had merely been sold as slaves, I could remain quiet. But that would be too trivial a matter to warrant disturbing the king. Who would do such a thing, the king Xerxes demanded. Who would be so presumptuous as to touch you? Esther replied, this wicked Haman is our adversary and our enemy. Haman grew pale with fright before the king and queen. Then the king jumped to his feet in a rage and went into the garden, the palace garden. Haman, however, stayed behind to plead for his life with Queen Esther, for he knew the king intended to kill him. What I was struck with in this particular passage was how skilled Esther was in the strategy that she used to reveal the truth about Haman. And he is finally exposed for who he is. This leads us to our, for, our first point about God's provisions. God provides wisdom. God provides wisdom. As far as we know, <laughs> Esther was not this savvy businesswoman. She wasn't a slick politician, but she did seek God through asking for prayer and fasting. And I believe that brought her wisdom. Why did she go through all the pomp and circumstances of these elaborate banquets? Not just one of them, but two. When she could have just as easily told the king what her plight was when he first asked her in the very beginning. But I can see wisdom in Esther waiting. Can you? Looking back on what we've learned about King Xerxes so far, we know that this man loves a good party. And the way Queen Esther approaches the king, her words are carefully chosen, chosen, honoring and wise. Esther is humble as she appeals to the king and says, if I have found favor with the king and if it pleases the king to grant my request, While her approach is confident, she wisely appeals to his vanity. She didn't just blurt out accusations about Haman, because that could have also incriminated the king. Remember, he was the one that signed that first decree. But what she did is she thoughtfully stated her request. This approach lended itself to catching Haman off guard as well. He was so blinded by his own ambition and pride, he had no idea what was coming. This plan gave Haman no way to escape. He was caught. James one five, 5, James 1, 5 says if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. The wisdom of God often comes in ways that we don't ordinarily think of on our own. But when we look at it in hindsight, it was the perfect solution to the dilemma we were facing. I've always loved that story in the Bible about Solomon, the story about Solomon and the two mothers. The story goes kind of like this. So there's these two women who had recently given birth to sons and they lived together in the same home. During the night, one of the infants was smothered and died. The woman whose son had died switched her baby with the baby of the other woman as she slept. The other woman seeking justice took the matter before the king. She stated her case, we were alone, there was no one else in the house but the two of us, And during the night, this woman's son died because she lay on him. She got up in the middle of the night, took my son from my side. And while I, your servant was asleep, she put him by her breast and put her dead son by my breast. The next morning I got up to nurse my son and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't the son I had born. Solomon couldn't tell which of them was telling the truth. So instead, he issued a shocking command. Bring me a sword, cut the living child in half, give one half to one mother, give the other to the other, the other half to the other. After he said this, the woman whose son was still alive said, please, Lord, please, Give her the living baby. Don't kill him. However, the other woman whose son had died answered, neither of us should have him. Yeah, cut him in half. Based on the responses, Solomon knew the identity of the true mother, giving the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him, Solomon said. She is his mother. Scripture tells us that King Solomon, who was King David's son, gained his wisdom from God. When he became king, he asked God for wisdom and understanding, and God gave it to him. And if you ask for God's wisdom, he will give it to you too. Where do you need the wisdom of God in your life today? Do you need his wisdom in raising your children? or maybe navigating a rough spot in your marriage is it in the work in the workplace navigating the politics of dealing with different kinds of people will you ask god for his wisdom will you ask him and believe that he will give it to you let's pick the uh, verses back up in chapter 8 starting with verse 3. Then Esther went again before the king, falling down at his feet and begging him with tears to stop the evil plot devised by Haman, the Agagite, against the Jews. Again, the king held out the gold scepter to Esther, so she rose and stood before him. Esther said, if it pleases the king, and if I have found favor with him, and if he thinks it is right, and I am pleasing to him, Let there be a decree that reverses the orders of Haman's son, the Agagite, who ordered that Jews throughout all the king's provinces should be destroyed. For how can I endure to see my people and my family slaughtered and destroyed? King Xerxes said to Queen Esther and Mordecai the Jew, I have given Esther the property of Haman and he has been impaled on a pole because he tried to destroy the Jews. Now go ahead and send a message to the Jews in the king's name telling them whatever you want and seal it with the king's signet ring. But remember, whatever has already been written in the king's name and sealed with his signet ring can never be revoked. The king's decree gave the Jews in every city authority to unite to defend their lives They were allowed to kill, slaughter, and annihilate anyone of any nationality or province who might attack them or their children and wives, and to take the property of the enemies. When we're in need, we can rely on the Lord's help, which brings us to our second point. God is our helper. God is our helper. He provides help for us in times of need. Who do you first go to when you need help? Psalms 54.4 says, Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. Esther needed to save herself and the Jewish people and God showed his help by taking the plans and schemes of the ones who meant to harm them and turning it back on them. Haman was impaled on the the very pole that he had designated for Mordecai to die on. The Jewish people were granted the ability to defend their lives against anyone who might attack them or their families. But sometimes, help doesn't come exactly how we want it to or expect it to come. Esther asked for a decree that would reverse the original decree but that's not what was granted. The Jewish people were granted the ability to defend themselves, but that was different from um, Esther's ask. Sometimes the help comes differently than we may have wanted it to. Looking back now, when you think of your own story, have you remember a time when God's help came differently than you may have asked or expected? I recall praying some time back for God's help to love others. I was in a really rough period. I could blame it on stress. I could blame it on a lot of different things. But the truth of it is I wasn't being very kind to some of the people around me. I was irritable, I was impatient, I was sarcastic. Um, So I prayed for God's help. I expected his help to look kind of like after I prayed, he was just going to touch me and I was going to be the most loving person around. (laughs) Um, That's not exactly how it happened. Um, But he led me to um, the love passage in 1 Corinthians 13. Most people know it because they read it at every wedding. Um, But it gives the details of what love looks like to God. Sometimes God's love doesn't look like how we think love is supposed to look, right? And some of the ways that God loves and how he thinks about me. I was reminded of all the kind of ways that God has responded to me when I didn't deserve it. His unconditional love for me brought me to tears. First Corinthians 13, began to serve as a template for me of what loving others from God's view could look like. For instance, the first characteristics mentioned in that passage is love is patient, love is kind. And I had to be honest, I wasn't either of those at that time. (laughs) And I just stopped there and began to start to meditate on what being patient and kind looks like. I did dictionary studies, anything I could do on those two words to get as much of that in my spirit as possible. I came back to this verse for weeks, just those two words, asking God to show me what he wanted me to understand and know about how love looks patient and kind. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is similar. It is to love others as yourself. By taking each of those attributes and characteristics one by one, word at a time, that became my measure of what love looks like. And it became my aim. Needless to say, this is ongoing. This is every day. Some days I do better than others, but it's a continual practice. I ask God to help me love others and help me to see others as He sees them. His love for me is His love for me, and accepting and recognizing His love for me is in a deeper way showing me what true love looks like and how to love others well. That help was different than I expected it to be, but it was the help I needed. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our times of need. We may not be facing annihilation like Queen Esther and the Jewish people, but where do you need God's help? today. Maybe it's help with fixing a broken relationship or maybe it's help in just real realizing and receiving his love for your own life or help with everyday burdens and stresses, the cares of life that would try to rob us of God's joy. Or maybe it's help to break a cycle or a bad habit that is not serving us well. No matter how big or small the ask is, ask and keep on asking. Matthew 7, seven through eight says, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. Sometimes we don't ask when we feel like something is our fault. I don't know, maybe someone needs to hear this tonight, but sometimes for myself, I am not confident to go before God's throne of grace when I feel like I brought something on myself. But I just wanna say that's the enemy. And that's the lie of the enemy to keep you away from what God has for you. You cannot fix what's wrong in your life. Only God can. So you need his help and you need to go to him for his help. There are no qualifiers to approaching his throne of grace. So don't let the enemy, Satan, rob you by his lies that you can fix it on your own because we can't and we need his help. So humble yourself and ask for God's help and keep on asking. Where are you caught in a situation of your own doing? Will you take him at his word? Will you trust him? Let's finish up starting with verse 13. A copy of this decree was to be issued as law in every province and proclaimed to all people so that the Jews would be ready to take revenge on their enemies on the appointed day. So urged on by the king's command, the messengers rode out swiftly on fast horses, bred for the king's service. The same decree was also proclaimed in the fortress of Susa. Then Mordecai left the king's presence wearing the royal robe of blue and white, with a great crown of gold and an outer cloak of fine linen and purple. And the people of Susa celebrated the new decree. The Jews were filled with joy and gladness and were honored everywhere. Now that's a switch, right? Uh, In every province and in every city where the king's decree arrived, the Jews rejoiced and had a great celebration and declared a public festival and holiday. Many of the people of the land became Jews themselves, for they feared what the Jews might do to them. Can you imagine having this death sentence hanging over your head? And suddenly you get this good news, the news you've been hoping for, praying for. When they received that second decree, they celebrated because it gave them hope, which is our last point. Our God provides hope. If you're in this room and you're a Christ follower, then you'll kind of know what that feels like. The Jews had a death sentence and so did we before Jesus' sacrifice. The second decree could not erase the first decree, but it did provide hope an opportunity that now the jewish people could actually defend themselves against any and all adversaries what a turn of events that this offered this was the hope that god was still with them friends Jesus' sacrifice provides the saying for us it is the hope that through the redemption of his blood shed for all and that those who choose him are no longer under a death sentence. But now we have salvation and we have new life. Psalm 33:18 says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love. His eye was on the Jewish people and Esther, and his eye is on us as well. In whom do you hope? Psalm 39.7 says, and now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. In closing, I wanna share this story that I recently came, aclo- came across, And it's about a school system in a large city that had a program um, to help children keep up with their schoolwork during times where they had stays in a, the local city hospital. One day, a teacher who was assigned to the program received a routine call asking her to visit a particular child. She took the child's name and room number and talked briefly with the child's regular class teacher. We're studying nouns and adverbs right now. um, So I think I'd be so grateful if you would help him understand as much of this as you can so that he doesn't fall too far behind. The hospital um, program teacher went to see the boy that afternoon, but no one had mentioned to her that the boy had been badly burned, and he was in a lot of pain. Upset at the sight of the boy, she stammered as she told him, I've been sent by your school to help you with nouns and adverbs. When she left, she felt that she hadn't accomplished much that day. The next day, a nurse asked her, what did you do to that boy the teacher felt she must have done something wrong and began to apologize no no said the nurse i don't think you understand we've been worried about the little boy but ever since yesterday his whole attitude has changed he's fighting back he's responding to treatment and it's as though he's decided to live Two weeks later, the boy explained that he had completely given up hope until the teacher arrived. Everything changed when he came to a simple realization, and he expressed it this way. They wouldn't send a teacher to work on nouns and adverbs with a dying boy, would they? That teacher provided hope to that little boy and he began to fight for his life. Our hope in God gives us the will and fight and not quit too. Isaiah 49, 23 says, then you will know I am the Lord. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. Jehovah Jireh is our provider. Where do you need provision today? Can we take a moment just to be quiet and uh, still for a moment? Hmm. Do you need the wisdom of God in your life today? Let's ask him. Where do you need God's help? Let's ask him. Are you hopeful in God's love for you? And maybe there's someone here today and you have never asked God to be Lord over your life, but you want to today. Let's ask Let's ask him by praying this prayer. Could we close our eyes? Heavenly Father, I come before your throne of grace and mercy, and I thank you, Lord God, that I have a heart of gratitude, a heart of gratitude to acknowledge the sacrifice that Jesus made for me on the cross That I might have salvation I accept you Jesus as my Lord and Savior I believe you died for my sins and rose again conquering death and providing eternal life thank you Lord for your willing sacrifice and the gift of salvation which I could never earn or deserve I surrender my life to you and invite you to reign over every area of my life. Help me to live a life that reflects your love, your grace, and I commit myself to follow you and fulfill the purposes you have for my life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.